0: hey everybody this is josh
1: and this is shay
0: and welcome to the creative podcast so shay who do we have today
1: um this week we have kaylin porter
0: yes she's a weaver and a textilist and i think she does a few other creative things and i i'm super excited to talk to her i don't know much about this craft so i'm really excited to learn what it takes to design these weaves and these textiles and these blankets that she does by hand and with a loom so i'm just really excited to uh figure out what it takes to make this
1: i know it's exciting um it's interesting because with our podcast we get to learn a lot of um things about different crafts and at the same time you learn to have respect for people's work because some things, you know, you just think, you know, it's just weaving, but it's really not just weaving, so.
0: Yeah, um, and there's so much more that goes into it. Like when we were doing our research, we were sitting there talking and it was like, wait a minute, there's yarn uh, thickness and weight, and depending on what tools you're using is the yarn that you would use and the textiles. So I just can't wait to dig in and ask her all these great questions we got for.
1: Okay, well, with that said, um, let's introduce Caitlin.
0: Caitlin, thank you for being here. Yes. We are so excited to talk to you.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's great so, to be
0: here. We are so excited. I never knew that weaving was so technical. Like, looking at our questions, Shay and I were like, oh my God, this is like math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like math. <laughs> it
1: really
2: is. Yeah. A lot of times when people want to, like, ask me about, like, the artist journey, I'm like, oh no, I just, like, talk about the concepts. But, like, the part that really gets me going is actually the technical side of things and sharing what all goes into the process um to kind of understand the magic of the textiles
0: wow and you know i mean before we jump right into que- the questions though i'd like can i ask you like so i see such a trend and people going back to basics of like these weavings and even like macrame and i see this trend of this almost like nature going back does that help with um your craft and getting that uh, voice out there Yeah,
2: I I think so. I think um, I've seen over the last, I guess, how many years now, at least like five, six, seven years, um, people starting to embrace some of those older crafts. I think um, prior to that, there was kind of this negative connotation of like crafts being like your grandma knitting, Mm -hmm. um, like tacky sweaters or something like that. And I think there's still a lot of people that think that way, um, but especially like the Instagram communities that people are building, um, social media communities, Pinterest even, um, Mm -hmm. people are starting to see how much more these really traditional crafts can be modernized um, and still appreciated in the traditional way and then incorporated into um, your lifestyle as a functional good or as a decorative item in your home.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I feel like for me personally, like, um, I guess I the more I become a consumer the more I'm conscious of what I consume. I would rather know where my stuff comes from and who made it and Mm -hmm. what the quality is. And I would pay more for quality than something from like that's fast and just done on a machine. I guess I'm going back to a place where like, do I really need something that is um, fast market or could I spend a little more time and do a little more research to find something that is uh better for the environment and I know that I'm giving back to somebody that I want to does that make sense
2: yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely and I think like for for this type of thing for textiles specifically it's both the like the, the manufacturing the way it's produced but also the materials yes. so if you think about like a lot of people um, when you think about yarn, you think about Joanne Fabrics or yeah. Hobby Lobby, and the thing about those yarns is most of the yarns in those aisles are made from acrylic, which is essentially based from petroleum, which is oil. Um, so huge, a huge other part of this textiles and weaving conversation is how to go back to using more natural fibers um, so we're not using so many um, harmful, harmful chemicals for our, for our home goods, essentially.
0: That's
1: interesting. So when you say natural fibers, are you talking like I know this might sound really dumb. I don't even know if I should say, but is it like pick yeah. up from trees, like grass, like what are the natural fibers for yarn?
2: So some of the most like the most standard natural fibers would be cotton number 1. You know, so many of our clothes are made from cotton. Cotton mm-hmm. would be a natural fiber. Wool is a natural fiber that's from um the sheep's, you know, you right. shear the wool and then you can turn it into yarn. Um and then something that I'll talk about a, a little bit later is there also are these new fibers called um, tensile, which are made from trees. So essentially, you can break down the tree um, similar to a process like you would make paper, mm-hmm. uh, but they instead make fiber that, that can then spin yarn. Um, and, it, and it creates this really soft, um, really drapey yarn without all of the chemicals that are in some of the, um, some of the man-made fibers.
1: I just have to say, I'm glad you said trees because I was beginning to feel dumb when you started talking cotton and then you're like sheep, and I was like, please, can a tree come in there somewhere?
2: <laughs> no, there really is, is um, a lot of even fast fashion brands like H and M are starting to, um, even though they still use some of those you know manufactured processes, they're starting to turn away from polyester fibers um, towards these. Um, tree-based fibers, tree-derived fibers, which would be called, like, this, if you see, like, on your tag, it says viscose, or rayon, or tensile, all of those came from a tree, basically. Interesting. So I came from a family who, um, like, my grandma and my aunts growing up, like, sewed their own clothes. Basically, fabric, sewing, quilting, like, very traditional crafts were a huge part of um, the women's work in my, in my life growing up. And so from a young age, I was sewing buttons onto random scraps of fabric and just kind of making things whenever I could. Um, so as that grew and evolved and developed, I tried fashion design growing up and a bunch of other creative pursuits. Um, how I eventually got to weaving, well, actually my mom had a loom also when I was growing up for a couple of years there. I never used it when I was young, but all of those like fiber arts, textiles, Um, crafts were around me. Um, And then actually when we moved, when Aaron and I moved from San Francisco back to Grand Rapids, I was kind of in like an in-between space with my career and weaving, knitting, textile design were all, had been, you know, a continued interest of mine. So as I was kind of in that in-between space, I decided to take a one-week weaving workshop at a local yarn shop in Grand Rapids. And I was like, you know what? I don't really have the extra $300 to spend on this, but like, this is kind of the only time I think I'm gonna be able to try this. Mm-hmm. So I took a week, um, learned how to weave with some, some elderly um, women in Grand Rapids. And like, just within a matter of a few days, I was like, okay, this, is, this process like, is absolutely amazing. It's so time consuming. It's so lengthy, but it's so meditative. And like, I just, I was hooked right away.
0: You know, that's something I wanted to ask you. Is it, there's something about working in these old, like block cutting for me or something like that. If there's something that you have to spend so much of your time and it's almost therapeutic for me, mm-hmm. because you can't really, you can only focus on that. And it's a very simple focus. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you said, meditation. So I just wondered if that, so that does have that same kind of thing for you, that meditation yeah. feel.
2: It's so, it's so rhythmic and it's so meditative. Um, and like, there's absolutely no way to to like there are no shortcuts like i'll talk about it later but like setting up the loom like getting ready to weave a project like you can't you there's no way to cheat it there's no way to like game the system like you just have to do all of the work and it's i don't know it's just fascinating not like
0: life there's no shortcuts <laughs>
2: <laughs> sometimes you find them i don't know um, yeah. but now with weaving you can't you can't cut corners no so, So for
1: those who don't understand, like, can you explain, like, what a loom is, like, like, from the basics, like, so someone can, like, who doesn't know anything about weaving at all? Um, Yes, okay,
2: so basically, one question people often ask is, like, what's the difference between knitting and weaving? So I'll start there and just say that knitting is when you're actually, like, I don't knit very well, Um, but, like, you're using the sticks to, like, create knots together, so you're knotting the fabric or the yarn. Um, Weaving is basically a set of um, warp yarns which go um, vertically and weft yarns that go horizontally and you're just like interweaving them. So the most like basic weave structure is just one yarn goes over, under, over, under, over, under, over, under, and then the next yarn goes under, over, under, over, under, over, and it's just this way of um, interlocking yarns to create a fabric. So
0: Question on that. So if they're going back and forth and it's a simple structure of over, oh. under, over, under, on the end, do you have to have a long enough piece of string to go through the whole piece so like if you are, so the ends don't come unraveled on those parts? So like No,
2: they're, not- each, each time you're like, each time you're putting a weft thread in, there's ways you can secure it. So like you can switch colors and stuff like that
0: that question how do you switch colors in those things i've seen some of your work and it's intricate and it changes colors i'm like how does she change color when do you have to have a long enough string to like weave back and forth to secure that so there is different ways to secure there
2: are it. ways you can okay. like hide that hide that um that color interaction um, i also didn't answer your question shay which is what is a loom right. so basically a loom is any machine that's helping you set up your warp threads with okay. tension so that you can create these over locked like interlocking patterns. So for me, I work on a floor loom. Um, It's pretty standard um, machine. It's like 45 inches wide, 40 inches deep. Um, I'm going to say like, if anybody's listening to this, you should just like Google floor loom so you can kind of get it in your brain. It'll make more sense. Right. Um, But essentially the machinery assists you in getting all of these warp yarns set up and tensioned so that you can then create patterns with your weft yarn.
1: so so are looms expensive like let's say if someone is like oh you know what this is kind of interesting i want to try it out are they super expensive can you get like low-end ones and you know high-end ones you know like a starter loom you
2: you definitely can so like the most like a lot of times if you think about um pinterest there's a lot of people that are doing this thing called frame weaving which Mm -hmm. is essentially like you get a wooden frame and then you can tension your warp yarns, and then by hand you go over, under, over, under, over, under with the yarn. So like that's essentially, you can buy a picture frame and put some nails in it, and that will give you like the most rudimentary loom. Now it obviously won't give you like all of the technical capabilities, um, but going back to me in that weaving class, like I was like, okay, I'm obsessed with this. I didn't have $300 to spend on the class, and I didn't have that money to necessarily spend on the loom, but I figured out how to get it <laughs> Yeah, um, and a lot of what a lot of people are doing is you end up buying used looms on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. Um, that's kind of the the best way I would say to get into get into um, purchasing a loom. See,
1: that's some good advice. Yeah,
0: you know I I the only time I've ever done looming was in high school. I did a looming class for a little bit, and it was in an eco loom. Do you know what that is? And it had a long string in the front and it was like maybe four inches by four inches, but you made like a, a little thread like this. But I remember, do oh. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I thought you said eagle loom, but you said inkle, right?
0: In, uh, Inca loom. like
2: Inca. The Inca yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but I remember like we made these like little like bracelets or something, but you could do it with beads too. So yeah. we did it with like beads and it was, you did the lines, but you, they had to be so tight, but it took forever to put those little strings together. The more strings you had, the more complicated it was. And, you know, looking at your website, and we'll link to your website, of course, so people can find it. But there was one picture that I was looking at that talking about the looming part. Um, And it was showing how you did almost like, it's a split screen of the loom and you're doing like almost like an arrow pattern
2: okay yeah yeah
0: so can you explain a little bit like because like this pattern that you did how do you do that in your head first to make sure that you have this beautiful like the blanket is gorgeous like
2: absolutely beautiful
0: it's gorgeous yeah Yeah. so
2: this was one of the first um one of the first like larger projects that i did once i had like gotten my own loom um so basically on the right side the the yarn that's going vertically, those white yarns, those are the warp that we talk about. And then the taupe yarn, it going over and under in those different patterns, is called the weft. Um, and basically, this yarn structure is just like a simple. I I might mess this up. I think it's just a simple pointed twill.
1: Okay. So
2: the part of the loom that I haven't talked about is that when you're setting it up, you um, you do this threading process where you put your yarn through um, what are called different shafts. Um, so then you have petals on the floor that then will um, coordinate to the shafts that you um, threaded the yarn through. So like for this pattern specifically is a twill. So like you push down petals one and two, and then you push down petals. So you push down petals one and two, you put a piece of yarn through. You push down petals two and three, you put a piece of yarn through, and then three and four put yarn through, and then
1: four and one put yarn through see to our point it's not that simple no. it's not that simple like that i'm like trying to concentrate listening to all of that it's not that simple and that's the other thing is like um it's so
2: much harder to describe it here sitting in front of a computer but like if i could bring you into my studio like it would start to make more sense that's why i'm like if, if this fascinates people as much as i'd love them to listen to me they should also just like look up a youtube video to watch someone do it because it's so great to
0: watch awesome because it's you know we can sit here and talk about it all day but i would love for our listeners to be able to see actually the process because it is it is like so much math and then like for your patterns do you sit down and do you design it on paper first or how do you how do you decide what you're going to do on the loom first do you do it for paper or you just kind of go into it or what's your process there
2: that process is kind of all over the place. I will say that most of the time as a textile designer, well, it depends on what the project is going to be, but most of the time I have a general idea of what I'm going to do. And then I just kind of try it out, um, and go from there. I do a lot of experimenting on the loom itself. Um, I guess another thing I haven't mentioned is, so I have my large floor loom that's at my studio. It's actually, um, in Indiana right now. So I don't have the large floor loom with me. But when I bought my first um, used loom, back to the whole buying on Craigslist Facebook marketplace, is a lot of people like it's kind of a sad situation where there'll be um, a woman who used to weave and then she passes away and then her family's like, okay, we have all of this weaving stuff. Like, what are we going to do? So basically, I went to this guy's um, storage unit and he was like, you can have it all for $500. So I got like, a floor loom, a table loom, and all of the supplies that you need, which is like, that was a good deal. It worked out (laughs) really well. That's amazing. Um, So I have this smaller table loom that I can bring with me when I'm, you know, traveling or living in different places. Um, And so I use that for a lot of samples. So I'll just like pull a few different yarns and like do like a mock-up prototype on the sample um, loom prior to doing like a full run on the floor loom.
0: so that's where you do your practice and say this is working from the smaller loom and then you say i'm going to take that but how do you do you write down stuff so you remember because it's mathematical here
2: yeah so there's like a there's a whole like pattern drafting process um and that was part of learning to weave. was like also learning to um like how exactly to read those drafts um because this is such a like an ancient traditional art, there's so many different patterns that are already available. So I have a few different pattern reference books where are all like, st- I usually start there as references and be like, okay, I want to go in this general direction. Um, and then I do a lot of more, more experimentation with, like, the patterns and the yarn colors than the actual structure
1: of the weave itself. So this might seem a little strange a question, but... Depending on the climate, do you use different fibers and different yarns? Like let's say if you were weaving for a place like near the desert, does that affect like the fiber? Does it expand? Does it, Is there any kind of effects on whether you're like, let's say making a blanket for someone in a colder climate or a climate which is more extreme in temperatures?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say in general, um, you kind of, like, think about, like, a wool sweater. Like, if I'm doing something for, like, I don't know about, like, how it changes with, like, the actual fiber, um, but if I was going to do something for a colder climate, you would maybe stick to wools, which are naturally insulating, Um, and then if you're going to be in a cool climate, um, cottons are great, linens are great, you know, we have, like, linen resort wear. There's a reason they wear that where it's warm, Um, and then also the the tinsel yarn that I talked about that's made from trees is also really light and airy and would work well in a cooler climate. Um, an example of that is I have two um, baby blankets on my website that are for sale right now and one of them was made with wool and would be more of like a traditional like warm blanket and then the other one is made with cotton and tinsel and would just be like a little bit of a lighter cooler you know if you're gonna take your baby for a walk in the summer like
1: yeah it would
2: be a, a less um, less warming and more just you know comforting
0: kind of like These baby blankets are beautiful you should check them out they're not like I don't know how to explain they're very artistic I think they're beautiful I love the color choices that you did that are not these traditional like blue and pink you know like you pick colors that could go general uh what am I trying to say Yeah,
1: Uh, Yeah. yeah. but
0: I just think that these are blankets that you could have and these are things that I would keep for my baby or you know, people would keep for their babies and make a keepsake once they're done. Okay. They, they look durable, but they're so darn cute. And I want to uh,
1: get one for my, my niece. Um, she's, she's a newborn, like three months old, and I want to yeah. get one for her. Do, can people order, like, custom? Like, let's say, could I say, could you make me a purple one, or is it just what you have online?
2: Um, I'm definitely open to custom work um, as we continue to talk about the process. As long as, as, long as people's time frames are a little bit long, um i i have done customs and i do i love working with people closely um but it could depending on like especially for like a baby blanket if i'm away from the floor loom it could be you know depending
0: yeah so like how we were talking earlier like so you have all these yarns from like joanne fabric and all this stuff do you have do you dye your own um yarns like so you know where the dyes coming from or do you have a place because i see that you sell yarn on your site as well too or Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's yarn it's um uh tensile tensile.
2: i am planning on doing like a a test run of some of that um i have some friends that are really into natural dyeing um my friends at So studio they do like like silk scarves um wallpaper Mm -hmm. designs some really great stuff so we're hoping to do like a custom line of hand dyed yarn for that um other than that as far as where i my yarns come from, most of the time I'm sourcing from, every once in a while I'm shopping online, there's a few different reputable yarn shops, um, but there's also a place in Michigan that sells mill end yarn. So basically they buy large lots of yarn from um, textile manufacturers in like North Carolina, kind of like leftover yarns. Um, Well leftover makes it sound bad. There's lots of great, uh, great yarns there. Um, so I go there and go treasure hunting to find, like, really great fibers, really great colors, um, and a lot of times those are, um, man-made, or not man-made, they're natural fibers, um, but have have been dyed in some sort of, um, like, factory process.
0: Have you done the process of actually making yarn? Have you done that before? No. No, okay. No,
2: I, I haven't decided if I want to. There were, like, five or so years ago, I thought I wanted to start spinning yarn, but I'm like...
1: That's a whole nother animal to take on. Yeah. It's a
2: whole other animal. Yeah. I have this dream of like someday I want to um, like have a farm and have like sheep and alpacas and like shear the sh- shear the wool, turn it into yeah. yarn, weave a blanket and sell it and do like the whole thing. Well,
0: um, that's a beautiful dream.
2: It would just take so long, but it sounds like fun. <laughs>
0: Your blanket will be ready in
2: 2025.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to raise, I have to oh. raise clams and then I gotta get them up to a feed.
2: Yeah, the um, eight month lead time, or the yeah. eight month lead time turns into like an eight year lead time. But maybe at some point I will spin the yarn itself myself, but I'd rather just develop like yeah. the, like, develop the- Your skill. The fiber and then have like a manufacturing process do the rest.
0: Well, maybe you should get in contact with, I mean, you know, sourcing out from, you know, um, like a sheep farm that doesn't kill their sheep and stuff like that and do the sharing. You build that relationship so you don't have to worry about that, you know?
2: Right. And that was part of, so the the tensile yarn that I have on my site, Rio, um, was actually a fiber that, or a yarn that I developed with a few different mills earlier at the beginning of um, the pandemic. So that was kind of like my pandemic project was I couldn't find this tensile yarn in the right weight that I wanted it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went through a few different manufacturers, well, contacted like 15 manufacturers to find the one that would be able to create the that final yarn for me.
0: And people so can find that on your site, right?
2: Yes. Um that so yeah, that was like part of I'm wanting to share my weavings with the world, but I'm also wanting to share these um these new fibers with the weaving community. Um and And in that process of, like, talking to all those manufacturers, I also, you know, ended up, there's these, like, really small sheep farms who also have these fiber processing plants. So I got to learn, like, all of the ins and outs of, you know, different kinds of yarn production. It was, it was a blast. Wow. Is
1: there, is there any um, yarn, I guess, that's harder to work with than other, like, is tinsel harder to deal with than, let's say, cotton or, um,
2: So, tensile and cotton, I would say, are probably the easiest to work with yarns. Um, They're both, especially tensile, super strong and durable, so, like, they're not going to break. Wool is a little bit more fragile. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually don't do a lot of weaving with wool in general. Every once in a while, I will. Um, I stick to a lot of the um, cellulose fibers, which are the ones that are made from plants. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I know they're Like if you think about yarns that have like a really thin texture, I think maybe like a mohair or like an alpaca that are like a little bit lighter, those are going to be more likely to break in the, in the loom and give you problems there.
1: Do they ever break? Like, let's say you've gone, let's say, I'm just thinking of like a blanket, right? You go so far, like maybe halfway and then you look back and you see one that, you know, like a quarter of the way, like snapped or broke, like does that happen often? And do you have to like go back and redo it?
2: All the time. What's less, so less so the breaking, like with breaking I've been able to find ways to solve that problem. Usually it's like you add a new yarn and you can like hang it from the back. It's kind of complicated. But what happens is in the threading process, which is part of setting up the loom, that's where I'm most likely to make mistakes so like if you're trying to thread the yarn one two three four one two three four one two three four halfway through you'll have a one two three three one two three four so what you'll do is you'll get halfway through the blanket and you'll be like oh this was looking really good but there's this like one line that
1: like keeps going off off course Um, and those are the worst. Uh, so, th- so then what do you do? Do you just kind of let it go? Like, you know, like as designers, there's certain things where you see something and you're like, damn it. <laughs> but okay, I'm letting it go or I need to go back and fix it. <laughs> so this is,
2: this is actually the main reason why I've waited so long to start selling my goods. Like I started weaving in 2018 and like I'll post them on Instagram and people be like, oh my gosh, I want to buy them. I want to buy them. And I'm like, okay, I know this looks great, but like what I'm not showing this picture is this part
0: (laughs) there's 20 other blankets behind me that did not work out
2: (laughs) this is where i'm just gonna be honest and say like i have a lot of things that i'm like okay this looks mostly great but like there's this glaring production error that like i can't sell like i can't in good conscience yeah like a lot of people might not notice it but like as the person who made it i'm like i can't let this out the
1: door but (laughs) you know that i feel like it's almost interesting because let's say years down the line when people have your pieces that mistake can actually add to the fact that it was handmade like someone made it and crafted it right versus a factory made thing that's always 100 percent perfect so sometimes we look at those little things as an error. but let's say this is passed down generations down the line that's a thing that can actually make it more like original like it was you know, made by an artisan, rather than a computer-generated factory item.
2: That's what people always say. And I'm like, I don't know, I go back and forth. Because it's like, I'm good with, like, small mistakes. Um, But sometimes if it's, like, big enough, I'm like, I can't. I guess a big way to say this is, like, if the warp is messed up, you'll have, like, a whole line of mistakes. So uh-huh. it kind of like if you think about like a glitch, yeah. like you'll like, you'll focus in on like, oh, that's a glitch. <laughs> if you just make like a mistake in the weft yeah. and it's just like one, one yarn, like I can find ways to fix that or like right. those, I'm like, eh, it's fine. Like nobody's really gonna notice. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, it goes back and forth. Um, but I did have, so when I launched the website, you know, I've been working on launching, I first started launching or developing and launching the yarn earlier this year. And then wanted to also start offering woven goods for, you know, the people that have been, oh, I really want some of this. So I'm starting to, I'm starting to do like small batches of consumer products that people can purchase. And those baby blankets were one of the first, first full run production items that I like was able to weave one and I was like, there are no mistakes I like it.
0: Like, Congratulations. I
2: yeah, so <laughs> it took me like two years to get there, but I was like, this is awesome.
0: Wow. Uh, they're beautiful. You've done a great job with them.
2: Thank but, you.
0: So um, I have one of your pieces and I feel very, very lucky to have one of your pieces. Um, it's called freeways. And it's kind of where you and I met in Michigan and the whole, um, whole thing are you still doing that's not on a weaving machine though right those are hand knots right that
2: was a that was a macrame right yeah all hand knotted josh can you use a computer to show everyone the
1: piece you're talking about
0: yeah i'll put it up on her creator page um she has some beautiful pictures that she did um with it and it's just i love that piece are you still doing pieces like that if somebody wanted something because i know that wall art has become so huge like i went over to a friend's house um on Friday night and I looked at her walls and she had like five or six Mm -hmm. she's like yeah I bought that one and I bought that one at a craft thing or whatever and like wall art is just the weaving of wall art is so big right now Uh uh-huh I
2: I'm not as far as macrame goes I'm not going that direction if somebody wants like I'm definitely interested in doing like woven wall art I want to stick to the loom. I learned, I learned macrame, actually, with a great, amazing macrame artist, Sally England. Um, I interned with her in 2014, 2013, a while ago, um, and was able to work on some really great pro- uh, projects for um, Derek Lamb and some of her other interior design projects. So that's where I learned macrame and was one of the ways that I started to know how to express myself in that new like fiber textile way. Um, and it was, it was fun to do work like that, but I didn't want to continue going down that road. I wanted to kind of um, find a new way to express myself. And, and when I found the loom, I was like, okay, this is, this is the way that I want to do that. Um, so I'm still interested in doing wall art. Um, it'll just, it'll take different forms than the macrame.
0: Gotcha. Well, I feel very lucky then. I got one of your macrame. I'm now.
2: so glad you got it too, that is <laughs> such a good piece.
1: I loved making it. So uh, with that said, so where do you see, like, let's say, if you could put out your ultimate dream in terms of your craft, where do you see yourself going? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with it?
2: I saw this question on the sheet and I was like, oh my God. I think I'm just going to be very honest and say like, I'm still not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so early on in the journey. And what I'm, what I'm really trying to do is put all of the feelers out there and figure out what continues to, um, make me feel like, as good as it felt to sit at the loom for the first time. Um, so that can go in like a couple different directions. Um, I can see it manifesting as making, you know, like high-end decorative wall art, like you were talking about, um, Josh, or it could be functional goods like baby blankets, hand towels, um, potentially partnering with, you know, larger, larger organizations who, you know, have a, a broader internet reach. Um, It could also look like working with, I don't know, like the contract commercial textile design um, by, you know, designing fabrics for them. Um, All of those things are things I'd be interested in. I'm just like right now going to do what I'm doing, continue putting it out there um, and seeing where that goes. Um, All all along also continuing to work on yarn development and fiber development because the material portion um, of this process is also so interesting to me. I have dreams and aspirations, um, but mostly it just includes continuing to be able to put this work out in whatever way that that is. Um, Cause this was kind of a um, prior, so I, lo- I lost my job in March um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, like a lot of people. And I was working in a design capacity, but in a corporation, not doing product design. Um, I was doing like innovation and strategy design. And while it was enjoyable, like. I knew that the next thing that I wanted to tackle was textile design and product design to get so um, close with the color and materials and how I can continue to share that with the world. Um, So at this point, I'm just really happy that every day I get to wake up and that's what I get to do. That's amazing. And I think
1: even for our listeners who, like in you just answering that question, it just opened up like a whole world of where you can go in this space. You know, Mm -hmm. you talked about, you know, product design, you talked about, you know, just the textiles, like you can go into wool art, like even for someone who wants to do weaving and they don't know what options they are. You mentioned quite a few different spaces you can go into just in this space alone, which is amazing.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of different avenues and a lot of different roads. And I'm, I'm just, since I'm so early on, like I'm just not at the point where I'm ready to cross any of the options off. I'm, I'm kind of deciding, you know you can go a lot further if you choose a road and just you know narrowly focus down it but i'm still just gonna go like five four or five different paths at once and like i don't
1: know that's kind of like us you're kind of enjoying the journey and yeah. the process and that's yeah and there are many ways that it can lead and the right way will reveal itself once you've explored you know all these different options Right. I think
2: to me right now, the most important thing is that I'm getting up every morning and like pushing forward in one way or another with this. Um, When I'm like catching up with old friends, they're like, so what are you up to? And I just always say like, I'm on my textile journey. (laughs)
1: It's
2: it's hard to know what to say. Like, oh, like I weave during the day. It's like, that doesn't always sound so elegant. So I just tell them I'm on my textile journey and it, it feels good.
0: I think that, you know, I think there is such a, uh a lot of people don't even know where things come from and when you get down to the root of where things come from like you know my background going into eyewear like people don't understand what it takes to make an acetate you just think that you get this plastic no that's not the process it is you come up with color uh, combinations you heat it up you put it through this process and then you had to put it through a milling thing where it actually gets a nice soft you know um gloss on it, depending on how long you're at this machine. And I mean, that machine, you spend hours on that piece of plastic to get that nice little shine on it or a doll shine or a matte finish. But people don't realize where all this stuff like really comes from. And it is very interesting to think about like from what animal to the process, to how it's made, to how it's dyed, to how it comes to you. And then this is the final product, I think is such, and textiles are always just a, a different way of looking at things. Do you ever think about like trying like I know that they're doing like a lot of things with like bamboo and there's a something from a sugar cane down on the islands that they've been using for like sneaker soles and like laces. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah.
2: Are you talking about birds? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, birds they have such an interesting and like
0: they blow my mind.
2: Sensitivity to materials. And actually, so when I was learning about this tensile yarn, it was the first time I used it was at this weaving class, and that was in twenty eighteen. Right when Allbirds was releasing their tree runners, tree runners, yeah. yeah. Yep. So that, so yeah, they're like the fabric itself is made from trees, and then the plastic is made from sugar cane. I haven't ever been able to like access any of the sugar cane because I don't need. You can write to them. I need. You.
0: Let me work on some. Uh, <laughs> let me work on some. Uh, you know, textiles for the outside of the shoe. I'm a weaver. Help yeah.
2: me. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, so there's just so many different interesting things. Um, the yarn that I really, so I started with Tencel as far as yarn development goes. The next one that I really wanna work on, um, there's this new fiber called C-Cell, which is essentially similar to a Tencel, so it's based in trees, but it also has um, part seaweed in it. Oh. And, but like it still turns out this like really great white color has this like really, I don't know, subtle sheen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working with finding the right manufacturing partners for that project, Um, but that one
0: will be really fun. The website kind of reminds me of, I think it's called Citizensry, where they go. Do you know that website? I've
2: seen them on Instagram, but I haven't been, I don't know like the whole story of them.
0: Well, they're kind of like you uh, in the sense that you're gonna make something and then once it's done it's done, you move on to another product. I'm guessing it's how your website is gonna go. Like, so once the baby blankets are sold out, they're done and you're gonna move on to a new blanket, right? Yes. So yeah, so I don't
2: the attention speed. I've been actually going <laughs> back and forth about that. Like, okay, should I do collections? Or should I do complete like one offs? And like in, in the future, I hope to do like small limited collections. Um, but yeah, that'll pretty much be like a small batch of this collection. And then whatever's next comes next.
0: And I'm sure you would run out because like, I'm sure like with your process, you're never gonna get that same green that you have in that baby blanket. So it's gonna have to be, you could have the same pattern, but the colors will have to shift a little bit. So it wouldn't be the same run. So each one would be
2: unique.
0: Right, yeah. Very cool. I mean, I love their site. So I think you're on the right path though. So what would you, what advice would you, where would you tell somebody to start with the weaving? Like if they wanted to get into it, what would you say would be the first thing? Knitting or crocheting or getting a little loom?
2: I guess it depends on what their, like, end goal is, but if their end goal is that they want to be weaving in a floor loom, I would say if you have the means and if you have the schedule flexibility, like, find a one-week workshop, like, that week, that workshop, like, solidified it for me. Okay. Um, the, in- the intricacies of learning how to weave are, some people do like, teach themselves based on, you know, YouTube videos and books, but, like, the the process is so complicated. I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't rely on some sort of experts to help you along.
0: I'd be tangled in that weave. <laughs> yeah. if I tried to do it myself.
2: <laughs> you, I mean, if I, I'm trying to think like if I did it the first time without, you know, without having anybody there who like knew what was going on, I'd be like, this is really what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, this is insane. This process is bonkers. Um, so I would say like that's the best thing. If, if you're just interested in dabbling, I would say find a frame loom on the internet, um, do some looking into that, start to learn about like how the patterns work. Um, and then maybe like the first, she like you asked earlier about, um, like if there are different like levels of looms, mm-hmm. um, I would say a frame loom is like the most basic rudimentary one that you can start to experiment with. And then next is called a rigid heddle. Um, I've never worked with one, They have more capabilities than a frame loom, not as many capabilities as like a a floor loom does, um, but still allows you to start experimenting with um, different patterns and yarn structures um, without being quite as complicated
1: as the floor loom. So we didn't put this in the questions, but um, you said something interesting. You said that um, you you learn to express yourself through weaving, right? what is the part of the whole process that allows you to express yourself the most and be like your most creative self like which part do you enjoy most that allows you to just like express yourself creatively
2: that's a good question so because like you said the whole process is really mathematic and can seem very technical so it's like where exactly is the art coming through Um, For me, like, after I got down the technical side of things, it's just been experimenting with different yarn and color interactions. Um, I love the idea of color science and how the subtleties of, like, getting the perfect blue and just the right different, you know, hues all together. Mm -hmm. Um, As I started out weaving, I was working with a lot more neutrals, Um, but just even in the last couple months, I've really been pushing the ideas of, okay, how can I get, like, the three weirdest looking colors and, like, try to, like, get a pattern that actually makes them shine Mm -hmm. and makes them look beautiful. So, like, that, that I'm, like, right now is, like, the thing of, like, okay, how can I get this really weird, like, green gold, this, like, super soft pink and, like, this bright blue to, like, all come together and, like, really make this like awesome pattern so that's like my my current challenge and like the current thing that makes me feel like oh wow like Mm -hmm. look I just made this crazy color and it's Mm -hmm. and it works you know it's it's weird but it works
0: yeah I mean looking at your color combinations like on your website right now like the lavender and white lilac or the lilac and white I mean I love how you go into these almost chunky parts to very intricate like back and forth is very quick and then just uh-huh. a large like how do you like I love how I can see the artistry right off the bat with like how you take the yarn and it's like you have like equal part white equal part lilac and then you go into mostly white and then you go into mostly lilac and the way that you shift each knot and each layer into mm-hmm. this pattern What beautiful awesome. and how it even gets like chunkier and like more like like towards the end, I'm looking at the lilac one. You had these big white chunky knots or yeah. weaving at the end, and then maybe like middle way through, you have these really tight lilac ones that you can't see any of the white. Mm-hmm. I just love how you do that color shift through it. And then you, there's some like chartreuse in there or yellow.
2: Yeah, I got this. I it was actually. I got it online, but it was just like this large cone of like neon like tennis ball yarn yeah. and. I'm just absolutely obsessed with how I can like add it, add it in in like little ways to just be like, hello, I'm a tennis ball. <laughs> uh, I think it just like adds, I don't know, it just to me is so fun to be able to, you know, kind of incorporate all these different things. I think that weaving was something I worked on like in the springtime. So, you know, it's like everything's kind of new and fresh mm-hmm. um, and invigorating. And I've got a bunch of other, um, some like weird color combinations of stuff that's not on the site yet that I'm that was kind of an sample phase. I'm trying to get it into the production, um, production realm so that I can sell products with it. So do you do everything by yourself right now? Do you get any kind of help from anybody? I am pretty much all by myself right now. Um, in, I guess the only exception is my husband does like a lot of, um, of like my web development stuff. So right now, is we have like a first run of the website that's up and we use like a Shopify template, but he's working on doing like a custom site. So I'll continue to, you know, post some like website updates. Um, so he's helping with a lot of the techs, tech stuff. He's a UX designer, so he can help there. Um, and then other than that, my mom helps with some shipping,
1: which is nice. But the weaving itself, like the product, like doing the actual work, that's a lot of work, a lot of time. So to think that you're doing all of that, like, the mock-up stuff that you do before—that mm-hmm. is a lot of work that you're putting in.
2: Yeah, it takes it takes a lot of time, but luckily I enjoy it, so it's great. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for sharing um, your knowledge on this craft and this art. Um... Gosh,
1: we're not done. We got two more
0: questions. <laughs> oh, two more. Qu- I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, do you have any words of wisdom or things you've learned on your journey about yeah. life? Um, pursuing your passion or um, just anything that like maybe you didn't learn in school that you'd like to share with our listeners um, anything
2: um I would say my biggest advice or like the biggest the thing that keeps me going is back to like what I was saying about this the loom setting up process which is like you can't cut corners like if you want to do something like you just have to wake up and do it and sometimes it's like very uninspiring to me but it's like okay, just, just do it, you know, explore um, and just figure out a way. Um, I think this year for a lot of people has been, you know, there's been a lot of hardships. And so for me, that was, you know, losing my job, but I kind of was just like, how do, how can I figure out how to twist this around into like something that's positive? And for me, that was, you know what, I finally get to go on this textile journey. So I would say keep, keep, keep your eyes open for when, and where to pursue, um, you know, kind of what your dream is, and I wouldn't say be stupid and, like, quit your job and, like, (laughs) go away, but, like, you know, keep your eyes open for when the opportunity is there, and, like, in the meantime, take the small steps that you need to get there, because the thing is, is if I hadn't been putting, like, the weaving for me was, you know, more of a hobby the last two years when I was, you know, working full-time, but if I hadn't put in that time to kind of set the, you know, set the, the base for everything like I wouldn't have had the foundation to really pursue that this year so that was really nice
1: that makes a lot of sense well, thank you. and then lastly Josh are you going to ask the final question
0: yes Sorry. what does uh what does it uh, what does being a creator mean to you
2: what does being a creator mean to me oh geez it just means like for me it just means once again like literally showing up like allowing myself to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. my yeah. ideas with my craft with um, like the work that I've done because like for me this this weaving process is like so like I said at the beginning like meditative and like um, it's like such a good time to like be with yourself and with your thoughts so like every piece feels like a part of me um, so then you get to the end and you know you have your mistakes or if it's perfect it's still like it's really scary to share this with the world and say like
0: "It is, so I funny.
2: made this <laughs>
0: <laughs> please accept this <laughs>
2: Please, please like it or <laughs> please buy it or you know it's like it's it's hard to it's hard to do that sometimes so i think for me it's just being a creator is being vulnerable w- being willing to put myself out there um building a community of people who are
1: doing the same um yeah i love that because it's true
0: so beautifully said
1: very beautifully said and, i mean it touches me because that's literally us too we're like we're doing this but I oh, don't know, please like it. <laughs> I, think, I think there's like this, Um, there's
2: this, especially when you're starting out, there's this idea from a lot of people of like, oh, like I saw these people get famous on YouTube or I saw these people get famous on Instagram and people just assume that like, oh, like that's so easy. Like everybody can do it. And it's like, it's a lot of work. So like, you just got to show up and go, please, accept <laughs> That's us. the new thing. Yes, I mm-hmm. love it. But you just have to do it every day and like I am not I am not in the spot where I feel like I've hit that like where I want to be but yeah. I'm gonna like continue doing it and, and that's so
1: fascinating because from our point of view we see your work and we're like oh yeah you're an expert this is amazing but then oh. you still feel like there's room for growth there's more to learn so it's just like I guess it never ends the you know trying to be the best that you can possibly be and put out right. the best you can possibly it's a process.
2: Yeah, the journey never ends, but who knows, catch up with me in five years, maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll be great, or maybe I'll be,
0: it will be great.
2: Working your yes. German
1: efforts. <laughs> so, um, could you let people know, like, you know, just to tell them your Instagram, your website, um, and all that yeah. information so they can follow you and keep up to date with everything going on with you?
2: Definitely. I would love if you guys would follow along on Instagram. My handle is at okay, which is o-k-a-e dot studio. Um you can find my website at www.ok.studio No.com after that, just okay.studio. Um and yeah, I think the best way the best the best way to follow me and keep up with me right now is on Instagram. Um and then, like we said earlier, if anybody's interested in contacting for like a custom piece. Um, definitely open so you can dm me um, shoot me an email whatever works
0: and we will link to all this on her creator page as well too for everybody to follow you like you support you and
1: um this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and we really appreciate you taking the time and being yes. vulnerable with us and sharing your journey um we are glad to be a part of your journey and We look forward to seeing what uh what's next for you and just keep in touch with us and um we know that you will do well there is no guessing for us
1: thank you and yeah um remember josh what is the line
0: the line is it's more than art it's life
1: imagine more thank you thanks so much guys